0: We're about to have lunch, and then right after that, we're going to head to La Saline. This is the church, as it is now.
1: <laughs> May always start some sticks.
0: With the panels because they're so heavy. Uh, Each panel weighs about 600 pounds, and so we have a a bunch of Haitians and also a bunch of Americans working on each one. This is the second day of working. Um, We've got half the walls up right now. We're going to get the other half done in the next hour. up our strategy a little bit we're about to head out to see if we can find some machinery so we have forklift coming today and we'll see what we can do we're hoping to get the whole roof done Like right now, I've got about 50 people inside the church. It's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, that was just showing like uh, building the church, basically. Um, but uh, while we were there, that was like that was one of the sub, more one of the sub objectives that we had. We, we we basically had three goals while we were there. It was to uh, encourage the Laodicean churches, which uh, that's what it showed. That was a Laodicean, and uh, we were also going to go to a place called Jerusalem and uh, Canaan. Um on how well we did on these objectives. Um, uh, to encourage the church in La Saline, we did to somewhat. I mean, Jerusalem went a lot better than La Saline did. And we didn't even actually get to Canaan, which uh, was a disappointment. But um, we started out and we flew from uh, St. Louis to Atlanta, which we had a really long way over, and uh, went to Fort Lauderdale, stayed the night there, and then we into port au Prince. And as you flew into Fort au Prince all you saw were like these shacks and ten roofs that, ten rows, is all you saw. Um, I mean occasionally you saw a crumbled building or something, but yeah, it was basically all ten. And I mean it it was pretty bad. I mean not all of it's bad, but um, the airport area is probably the best part. Um, i I mean it's still bad, but it's not all fancy and stuff, but uh, we went to La Saline the first day to uh, check out the church area where we were actually going to build and uh, just that's where they took that first video of just the tent and that tent was their church I mean I mean whenever it rained everybody got wet but they really I don't think they really mind getting wet It was probably it was like 90 degrees down there every day so uh, but in La Saline, the sub objective was to build that church because, be promised before in missions that we would build a church for them. So that's what we did. And it was only supposed to take two days for a four man crew, and we had ten people. So it would take like one day, right? And uh, that didn't, didn't go out, didn't go over very well. Um, they'd been sitting in customs for like two years. And apparently, if it wood sits out, it like warps or something. Uh, but I mean, it'd, be, it'd been sitting in customs, and then it'd just been sitting there in La Salina for six months. So, rainy season's from like August to December or something, so it got all wet and warped and everything, so. Um, the first day, we uh, checked out the church, and uh, we basically just bonded a little bit. Uh, we went out and talked to people, or tried to. Uh, We kind of stood over by an area where they made mud pies, which was... If you guys don't know what a mud pie is, it's just mud, and they put salt and oil in it. And then they basically, whenever a uh, child is going to die of starvation, they uh, take it and feed it to their kid because it's better for them to die on a full stomach than, I guess. And this mud pie, I mean, it, it fills them up, but it makes them extremely sick, so they die really, really soon. So uh we basically stood there and a whole like group of people it started out with like two people and like five came and then seven and then like fifty. And um I believe they're all making fun of us in Creole. And uh I made a couple friends that day. It was I mean America totally left my mind. It wouldn't I mean it's I like it better there. But um, the second day, we uh, we went – the food was actually really good. It was probably better than American food. We had, like, rice and spaghetti and goat and stuff. It was awesome. Uh, but we started the baseboards, and that was just, like, a piece of wood that big with a thing sticking up that big where the just grooves slid in. Uh, that took basically all day. But we didn't – I worked all day, so – and we had problems because stuff would break, and we didn't, we didn't, we couldn't buy anything because we didn't know where anything with that. So, uh, yeah, that didn't go over really well. We started, I think we got one wall up. That's what we got up. Uh, but Mark basically talked all day and uh, just went out and shared the gospel. Uh, third day, came in, put up walls, uh, got about half done. Uh once again, Mark and Will, they shared the gospel basically all week. That's basically all they did. Uh, Mark got sick at the end, which didn't a lot of people got sick. There was like ten people on our trip. Eight of the no, seven of the ten got sick, excluding myself, dad, and another person. So we must have good genes or something. So uh, uh yeah. <laughs> uh Actually, while we were down there, the Haitians did more work than we did. I mean, if you look in the video, I just, I mean, I wouldn't, I didn't really work that much. But, I mean, I'm i am not strong. I'm like a, I'm a white guy, so. <laughs> I mean, so like the fourth day. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that, but we, we finished, we finished the walls the fourth day, yeah. Uh, we actually went rented a forklift, forklift, which you saw in the video, and that was to help put that center beam up because that was probably the heaviest thing there was. It was, it was ginormous. It took like eight of us to pick it up, and we were struggling moving it, <laughs> and that had to go like out, out ten foot, 15, 12 foot in the air. We didn't, we didn't have any giants. Uh, okay, so I'm fifteen. And we were talking to people, we were out sharing the gospel, and uh, a guy came up, and he's like, I'm 15, and he was like, this tall. And I'm like, oh. and then like everybody, they were all short, they were, nobody was tall. I think I saw one tall person. And I don't even think he was from Haiti, I think he was from the United States, so. But um, on the fourth day, I, uh, that was the first day I went out and shared with Will, Um. Will, Will actually helped me a lot with my uh, sharing the gospel. We did it in layover and stuff, and we just kind of practiced a lot. But uh, we went out and shared, and like, it was kind of weird at first, because it was like in a foreign country, and you had to go through a translator and everything, but um, the more you did it, the easier it got. I mean, it, after the first time, it was like, I mean, every once in a while, like, in Jerusalem, for example, we got to a guy, and it was my turn to share. So I got up there, and I was like, okay, can I talk to you about something? And then, he was like, yeah. And then I basically started talking to him about how we're separated from God and how our sins uh, separated from God. And then he's like, he starts asking all these questions, and he's like, he had, like, three years of seminary or something. And I'm like, <laughs> and then the translator's like, Will, will you come here? And then I'm like, I'm like out of the loop for the entire thing. And we, like, stood there for, like, two hours, like, talking to the guy. But it's like he had, like, three years of seminary, and, like, he – I guess he became like an atheist or something. I don't, it was it was a rough conversation because it was like our turn, and we'd talk to him calmly, and then it'd be the Haitian turn. And they'd be like, start yelling at him and stuff, and and it was our turn again. We would just talk softly to the guy, and then they their turn, it was, it was actually pretty funny, but I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh because it was a serious matter at the time. But um um. After the uh, day that I shared the gospel, I mean that's basically what I I want to do on most trips. I what I want to go and do whenever I go on a mission trip is I don't want to I don't want to build stuff. That's not what I like. I like going and bonding with people and sharing sharing what I believe and talking to people. I like building, I mean I'll help, but I'm not good at it. I mean, construction isn't my thing, and I'm not gonna say anything else about construction. <laughs> but um, I mean. What I've seen from on the trips we've that I've personally been on, I mean, not only with this church but with other churches and stuff. Whenever we go, we work. I mean, we uh, not necessarily share we share the gospel, but not as much as we work. We work more than we share, which I mean I don't particularly like that. uh, um, I mean, works good, but I I think sharing the gospel should be first because like we're sent out to uh, tell the world about uh, God and the gospel. That's my opinion. Uh, fifth day we finished the church. I believe that was Sunday. I think we went to church. The roof wasn't on, but uh, we just threw a tarp over it. Um, it was church service was interesting. Uh, kind of got up there. The we had wine for communion. That's the grossest stuff ever. I'm serious. Like I drank it. I was like. <laughs> I mean, I think Dad took pictures of me going... <laughs> I mean, kind of covered my face because it was gross. I, I'm never drinking alcohol in my life, so... Um, that day, uh shared the gospel all day after church. We uh, basically stayed in La Saline. We were supposed to stay in La Saline for two days because it was only supposed to take two days, and we were supposed to go to Jerusalem and Canaan on the other days. But it took five days to build the church. So... I mean, we got to talk to a lot of people, but I shared the gospel all day that day. It was it was awesome. Uh, I did a lot of bond- bonding in my relationship with people. I mean, you had to talk to a translator, so, I mean, you couldn't just have a one-on-one conversation. You had to... Uh, it took a little while. You had to trade off and talking. so... I learned a little through... I think I know, like, two words now, so I'm good. Uh... Uh, we went to uh, Jerusalem on the sixth day. Uh, Jerusalem's a—it's uh, not in Port-au-Prince. It's way out. It's like I think it's like an hour out. It's like right at the base of a mountain, where, and it's a tent city. That's basically what it is. It's um, the people. Whenever, in Port-au-Prince, whenever the earthquake happened, all their all their roofs are concrete, and this concrete isn't—it isn't really concrete. It's like. Rock and a little bit of concrete. So, um, whenever the earthquake happened, the concrete didn't hold, so it all just crumbles in on them. So, they're all scared of living in a house, so they all live in tents. And so, we went there and we just it was really spread out. The houses weren't put together like Port-au-Prince was. It was like you had to walk from if this is one house, the next house is over here, and then. I'm sure we walked over a mile that day just talking to people. We only spent like two hours there, so got to share the gospel with a couple of people there. Um, after that, we uh, went and just kind of went around and saw some landmarks. I mean, we saw the Capitol building or whatever it's called, the little palace or whatever. Uh, I think we have some pictures of it. It's like the entire, like, you have two long sides, and then right in the middle... The, the big meeting room, it just crumbled. You just see, like, the, you ever saw the uh, Congress, the Congress building? It's just like top of that would just be sitting there. It's like horrible. Um, we we took this SUV thing, and we had two seats in the front, three in the back, and then we had like a tap tap in the back. A tap tap's like a uh, it's kind of like a taxi, but it's a truck. So like get like fifteen people on it. Um. But we took that, and we ended up, we tried to pass somebody, and this is a stick shift, so we're trying to shift and pass, and we're going in the wrong lane, and a car comes, so we have to back up, and we back up in a ditch, and, um, so we try to get out, and got stuck, and the Haitian people were just over there laughing at us in their cars, and, uh, oh, we were warned not to take pictures out of the car, because, uh, voodoo is a big thing down there, so, and I guess whenever, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe what they said is whenever you take a picture, like, they believe it takes part of your soul or something, so, um, you'd be driving down the road and people would be taking pictures out of your car, and people would be covering their face, because if it, like, makes contact with your eyes, it steals your soul, so, kind of crazy, but that's what happened, I mean, I'm sure if we took pictures, we didn't take any pictures out of the side of the car, but I'm sure other people have pictures of people covering their face. I saw several. But um, we went back to the uh, orphanage where we stayed and just basically had a sit around and we just talked about all the, what happened this week and how we didn't get to go to Canaan, which was a disappointment. But um, we got to encourage the Jerusalem church a lot because their pastors went around and, uh, what we were there to do is we were there to share the gospel and then the preachers were supposed to be there so we could connect them with the church and then those people could get their names and then bring them to church and in La Saline that didn't happen (laughs) maybe it's because we were building the church maybe not I don't know but um, Mark said over five five days in La Saline we shared with over one thousand people which was pretty cool um but then I was reading my Bible and I was just thinking about uh one thousand people. That took five days to uh talk to one thousand that was a lot of people. I mean for one minute we'd be talking, there'd be ten people there and we'd get done praying, there'd be like fifty. No, no joke, I mean, serious. But um one thousand people in five days. I mean, Jesus fed five thousand people in one at one meal, so I mean you can tell the difference. I mean, that was that was probably a big shock for me. But, um, overall, I, it, I believe it helped me a lot, because, like, I never really had an experience like this. I mean, we went to Canada, but that's totally different. I mean, it's like, Canada's like here. But, um, Haiti is, it's different. Like, the spiritual warfare isn't hidden. It's like, you can see it right there. I mean, you, it's, you just have to go there for yourself. I mean, it's, it's awesome but I mean at the same time it's a big a big zone that I believe a uh, BGR or whatever is pulling out because we've reached the uh, 10 ten percent 2 percent oh, uh, and after two percent you're no longer in unreached zone so uh, so I guess they're pulling out but um, I would actually like to go back. I, I like it a lot. I mean, it smells really bad, but it's it's a really fun place and it's a really big harvest field. I think. I mean, people are really acceptant to it. Um, have a lot of good conversations down there. There are a lot of people that I mean, they they could be preacher too. I think some people could. But um, it seems like everything revolves around church. I mean, we'll, we'd stay up till twelve because people be shouting in the church next door. I mean, it's. <laughs> They had church service all day. It's crazy. But um, dad can talk now.
1: Well, my goal this evening was to let Steve share about the trip and then just fill in some little things that he left out and then cast vision. Uh, he covered most of it. I mean, I think he gave you a pretty good feel for, for what went on. Just a few things that I want to talk about. If you saw the last picture here, the demographic of the group. I mean, I don't know exactly how old Mark is, but he and I were the elder statesmen. We were the senior adults. I'm not sure there's there's another person up there that's over 25. I mean so it's amazing and when you wrap your mind around the numbers he said basically a group of eight kids shared the gospel with over a thousand people in this community. I mean I mean you guys can sit here and I know living in America is completely different. Being in Haiti is a completely different mindset but to wrap your mind around eight of you sharing the gospel with a thousand people in five days. I mean, it, it almost seems inconceivable. Can you guys imagine that? I mean, without getting on the radio and just to, and them hearing it at once. I mean, to go door to door. I mean, I know we do visitation on, on Tuesday nights, but to do it here, it almost seems easier. I don't know why. It almost seems easier to travel, you know, hundreds if not thousands of miles away and, and share the gospel with people that have never heard it. But the people across the street, you never find the time to go and talk. But that's a different that's a different sermon there. Uh, like I said, very proud of these these eight young, guy, seven young guys and young lady here. Uh, they did an awesome job. They carried us old guys. If you saw the one picture of Mark laying on the bench, uh, he'd been sick. I won't go into his his symptoms. But he had been sick for a long time and just felt like he needed to be at the work site to make sure that it got done. And that's about all he had left was to lay on the bench and just make sure it got done. Uh, Steve also didn't mention Pastor Rigo. The, the minister that we worked with down there and their hierarchy of churches is, is a little different than what we're used to. They have a lot of small churches. They have pastors who go out and establish new works. And then they kind of mentor those works and kind of serve, I don't want to say a, a bishop, or I mean, but some, an overseer. And Pastor Rigo was that guy. And a little bit about Pastor Rigo. Pastor Rigo's wife is a nurse who lives in Miami. And she works a job and a half there and sends $90,000 a year back to Haiti to support Pastor Rigo's ministry. And his ministry includes all these small churches uh, a school that he's put together, and in his own personal house, he, he houses 95 orphans. Uh, at the time of the earthquake, he had 35, and since the earthquake, he's jumped to 95, and every day, somebody comes and knocks on his door, wanting him to take a child. And this may boggle your mind, but as we were winding through the streets of La Saline, I had a lady come up and try to give me her baby you know probably 16 months old because she was under the understanding that Pastor Rigo was going to take this baby and he hadn't come to get it so she wanted me to take the baby now imagine that i i don't mean this to be funny but of all the people in all the world in Haiti to walk up and give your baby to i don't know that I'm the guy <laughs> but it, but it, i mean it's just what the the life that they live down there you know the little things ...that they have and all the things they don't have to, to want to give your baby up just so it has a chance. Uh, John, if you give me that, that first picture. Uh, this is Pastor Jonique. He is the pastor of the, of the church in La Salim. Uh, his church has between 100 and 200 people. Uh, we came in and built him a church that was 20 by 30. Obviously not big enough for, for what he has or the people that, that we reached. But it's what we had, it's what we gave him. We didn't get to work with Pastor Jonique. Uh, the first day we were there, he got message that his mother, who was a di- diabetic, had to have surgery and they were going to amputate her leg. So he had to leave. And as Steve said, our goal was to encourage the community, tie them into the church. Well, the pastor got called out the first day. And That kind of put a hindrance on tying them back in i mean the the leadership below the pastor was a little a little chaotic without him there. Uh, long story short, his mother died in surgery, so we we never got a chance to to talk to him again after that, but we we got word that his mother died in surgery so so i I don't want it to sound like you know we were really down on the church at La Saline because we didn't get a lot of help. There were some extenuating circumstances. All right, if you can give me the next picture. Uh, this is a young man in the orphanage. If you can't recognize it, that's Steve's shirt and pants. He's taking a picture down. I mean, that that's Haiti right there. I mean, you've got, you've got a young child. Most of these children that Pastor Rigo have were either dropped off at his door, uh, left at the hospital. The mother would have the baby and then just leave, or found in garbage dumps. I mean, it's it's unbelievable, but... This child right here was fell into one of those three categories. All right, if you can give me the next one. This right here is a picture of me doing something I don't do here in southern Illinois, sharing the gospel. Okay, As I said before, for some reason we find it very difficult. But here we are the first day out, going out and sharing with a group. And uh, this lady, well, I won't point her out, but a lady st- sitting there in the middle had a lot of questions. Yeah, you know, we had talked to him about works that, that Mark's mission group has in the works to bring food in, to do other things. And uh, her comment was, you can't see, but there's a big group of children behind us that are just running the streets. And she said, our big problem isn't food. These children have no houses. They have no parents. We don't know where they sleep. We need orphanages, we need this, we need that. And my response to her was, we're here for six days. We can do what we can do, but we're looking for leaders in your community to step up that we can partner with so that we can bring things into your community. Unless we have leadership, we can't do anything. You can't run an orphanage on six-day increments every two months. There has to be leadership in the community. And she kept saying, well, we need this, we need this. And I kept telling her, we need leaders, we need leaders, we need leaders. That's not a message just for Haiti. That's a message for us here, too. If we want to accomplish things and reach southern Illinois for Christ, we need leaders. And who are those leaders? Everybody in this room is that leader. And as I did, every time she'd have a question, I'd point right at her and I'd say, then you need to lead. You need to step up. All right, go on to the next one. This is our first day here. Uh, You can't really see behind us, but right behind us is a, what I'll call a ditch. A fairly well-constructed ditch, and it, all the raw sewage runs through it in the community. On the other side of the ditch is a basketball court. And that's where they do the production of the mud cookies. And I've got I've got a picture of that, too. But this is the first day we came into the community. Having been there before, I kind of knew. You just kind of go over and you sit down. And then people start flocking up to you. And as Steve said, we didn't have any interpreters that day. But we got a group of teenage boys. And, you know, they wanted to come up and show how macho they were that first day. And they didn't—they didn't know I knew a little bit of Creole, so they didn't know that I knew they were making fun of us. But—but but they were, and uh, they wanted to—they wanted to show Steve up. I mean, they wanted to—they wanted to get big, and you know, they wanted to fight him. And I mean, I don't know that they really wanted to fight, but they wanted to—you to, know—poof up and act like they were tough. And I knew enough to say they'd get—they'd point at him, and I'd go, and then I'd point at myself, and they'd. <laughs> So so we've got this picture here. And I, I wanted this picture so you could see right behind us. Go to the next picture. That's right behind us. These are the mud cookies. And though we didn't get to see anybody in this community eating the mud cookies, apparently it's, you know, the main source of commerce for this community. They make these cookies made of mud and oil and salt, and they distribute them so that People that are starving to death have, it, have the sense of a full stomach. And, I mean, just look at all those cookies there. All those people that are going to fill their stomachs just because they don't have any other choice. Now, on that, Mark has uh, teamed up with a group out of California. And they provide food for, for communities. And they wanted to come in and give food... Uh, once, twice a week to La Saline. But the main goal we had was, and they had, they do not want to come in and distribute food. And part of what I'm going to talk about is helping that hurts. One of the things I see over and over and over again in Haiti are people coming down with good hearts, good intentions, and doing things that tears down the community. They come in and they give things away. They're like Santa Claus. And they give things and they give things and they give things. And it breaks down the culture. It creates a welfare mentality. And then you've got a group of people that don't know how to support themselves. So this group needed a entity in this community that would distribute the food. And that's why we were there. That's why we were building this church. It wasn't to be a church because we knew... 20 by 30 wasn't big enough for a church of 200 people. It was a place that they could distribute food from. And the the people of the church didn't understand that in the beginning. They couldn't understand why we were coming in and and cutting their church in half. Because if you saw the, the tent earlier, the building we built only took up half of their tent. So we were cutting their church in half. And they didn't like that. I mean, they really didn't. They didn't understand the whole purpose. They didn't understand that that God had a plan. And the plan was by building this building, come February something, a company in California that they've never heard of is going to start bringing food into that community. And the church in La Saline, Pastor Jonique, is going to be distributing that food. It's not going to be a group of white people in the back of a truck throwing out, you know, hand me out. Here you go. It's going to be that church handing out food which allows God to get the glory. Not for me to go back down and hand out food and have somebody praise me because I'm I'm the the rich white guy that's going to hand you something. We are building God's community through the local church. That is biblical. Opportunities for the future. There are opportunities around every corner. Some of those opportunities are not meant for you, and they may not be meant for me. The day that I got back from Haiti, I got a phone call. Well, let's see, did I get a phone call or an email? I got something the day I got back. And it was uh, a guy that I know who's taking a trip to Haiti in March. And he said, well, in fact, the last time I was here... It was full, and I told him I'm going in March. And he said, I don't have any spaces, and I said, I'm going in March anyway. He called me, or emailed me, and, and said, hey, i got a spot open. Do you want to go? And, of course, my response was, yeah, I want to go. But I said, let me pray about it, because what I want isn't necessarily what God wants. So I prayed about it, and I asked some people. I talked to Dwayne. I talked to a lot of people. And uh, I believe, Dwayne, you're the one that told me It said, well, why don't you email him back and tell him what what you're feeling on your heart? What's God calling you to do? And uh, Bob Elmore's doing the trip, and it's a construction trip. And in talks with him, they've got three foundations built, and they're going to build three houses in six days. Now, that's a huge task. I think they've got 15 people, maybe 14, because that spot's open. And... uh, and after talking to Dwayne, especially after this trip, as Steve mentioned, this was a two-day construction trip, five-day evangelism trip that turned into a six-day construction trip. You know, one day plus people going out from the worksite evangelism trip. God was calling me and is calling me to spread the gospel. Specifically, to build discipleship in the Haitian church. So in talking to Dwayne, he said, well, you know, maybe it's not fair to Bob if you tag along on this trip and maybe not in the role that he would need you. So I I emailed Bob and I said, Bob, here's where my heart is. Here's what God's calling me to do. And he emailed me back and said, I need a body to build. I said, that's wonderful. That's an answer to prayer. Because my only prayer was, God, do you want me to go this time? I mean, I already know, as Dwayne preached before, we don't need to pray about things the Bible says. And the Bible says go. I already know that. But it doesn't tell me which time to go. So I, I knew in my heart I was going in March. Apparently God didn't, didn't necessarily agree with me. And he let me know, this isn't the trip for you. So as I told Bob, I said, wonderful answer to prayer. I don't have to pray. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. You've closed this door. Without knowing the time frame, got another call. Uh, Mark Homshold again saying, hey, I've got another trip in March. We're going to go down to Canaan and we're going to evangelize. Then we're going to go to Qua de Bocquet, and we're going to evangelize. We're going to start churches in both of those places. So once again, I'm thinking, ah, I'm going. And I, I said, well, Mark, I need to tell you the same thing I told Bob. I need to pray about it. Because it seems like everything's lining up. But a lot of this stuff that's lining up is because I lined it up. I mean, I've taken a job, walked away from a career several years ago to take a job that allows me to go places if I need to go. Okay, After this last trip... And I am very gracious that the church paid for this last trip I went on. After this last trip, maybe my pride getting in the way, I said, I need to start putting some money back. So I've got enough money for another trip right now. So I've lined a lot of ducks up. And I could have very easily told Mark, yeah, I'm in. I need to know, he needs to know by this Friday whether I'm going or not. And at this point, I don't know. Okay, I want to go. But we'll see whether God, you know, backs me up on that and, and lets me know that that gives me the green light, I guess, is what I'm saying. Uh, the wonderful thing about this trip, and all the details aren't worked out, I've been working with uh, Thomas. Some of you know Thomas. I've been, Facebook is a wonderful thing. <laughs> I get it I, every day, and, and maybe this isn't good because I do it at work, but sometimes it's slow. I get to talk to people from Haiti on Facebook every day. One of the, uh, interpreters, every day, probably four or five times a day, you know, he just chats me up and we, we just talk about discipleship in Haiti. I've talked to, uh, Thomas several times about coming back to Damier and working with him and getting a group, a small group of people together and discipling them. And here's what I want to tell you. I am certainly not qualified to disciple. The only way that I am qualified is because God leads me to do it. I mean, you can ask my son. You can definitely ask my wife. I am definitely not perfect. There are a a lot of things in my life that aren't right. A lot of things. A lot of them are prideful. A lot of them I need to work on. All of them I need to work on. And each day, and that's part of discipleship, each day trying to grow closer and closer and closer to God. And I will be the first one to say I'm not even close. But I am willing to take the step to try to, try to work in somebody else's life. And hopefully, I was talking with Joe Harrison today in Sunday school class, and we were talking about doing some discipleship in class. And, and, and I mentioned that I needed discipleship, and I needed to be mentored. And, and he said... Well you, you know you're always saying Bible verses and you're always doing this and I don't feel like I said, Joe, uh, probably the areas that I'm strong in, okay maybe you're not so strong in, but definitely the areas that I'm weak in, you're strong in. And definitely Joe could could disciple me on you know being caring and uh, you know being wonderful to my wife because I, I struggle with relationships. I do. I mean, she knows that. I mean, every day it is a struggle for me to be emotional. I don't know if anybody else here is wired like that. But I struggle with those things. But God has given me some talents and he's given me some knowledge that I can work with other people and try to help them down the road. And in reciprocal, they can work with me on the things I need to work with. Maybe that's a little too open. I don't know. Hopefully, my wife appreciates it, but but it's the truth, and she'll tell you if there's if there's one thing that I don't struggle with, it's telling the truth, and sometimes that's not good. Most of the time, it's probably not good because she'll tell you when I when I'm thinking something, I'm probably saying something, and you know we've gone through. You know, is it good? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And most of the time it's not good, kind, or necessary, but it's what I was thinking. So so there's confession in front of the church. <laughs> so like I said, I don't, I don't know if I'm going. I'll know by Friday. Uh, other opportunities. And Mark asked me to mention this. He's talked to a couple of you about the Amazon. Uh, the Amazon trip will be in August, I believe he said. So if you're interested in that, okay, you can talk to me. I know very little, but I can point you in the right direction. Uh, also, youth. There's a, there's several trips to the IBSA. One specifically, not that, you know, I have a heart for Haiti or anything, but there's one for Haiti in July. Steve's already, uh, sent his application in. And I talked to Bob, who's leading that trip too. And in the entire state of Illinois, only five kids are interested in going to Haiti at this point. I mean, that breaks my heart. And, and I asked him, I said, is it, is it because of the reputation? And he said, probably. He said, probably a lot more parents than kids. And I understand that. When, when I may have shared this already on another occasion, Steve came to me on this last trip and said, I want to go to Haiti. And I said, no, you're not going to Haiti. I mean, because I, you know, we've been to Haiti. I'm, And we went to Damier, and it's a nice little neighborhood. But this new place where the mud cookies are is a little bit rougher. Now, after being there, it doesn't seem bad. It gets rough after dark, though, because we were there. And the neighborhood right next to it is a place called City Soleil. And I didn't have a chance to point out the pictures, but there's three pictures of City Soleil on here. And we're driving down this narrow road, and there's this mass of humanity all around us. And that's City Soleil. And it was rated the most dangerous city in the Western Hemisphere in 2007 or 2004. The most dangerous city in the Western Hemisphere. And my son and I drove through it. Now, we're still here. God's in control. And that's what I said. He said, I want to go to Haiti. And I go, no, you're not going to Haiti. And he was mad at me all day. And he came back and he goes, no, I really want to go to Haiti. I go, no, you're really not going to Haiti. And then he pulled the car and he goes... Well, I think God's leading me to go to Haiti. And I said, Oh, crap. (laughs) I mean, who am I? I mean, because in my macho-ness, I think I can go to Haiti and pretty well get by. Where's David at? You remember when Thomas took us down? (laughs) The first day, I think it was the first day we were in Haiti, the first time I went, I'm up on the roof. And David's talking to this Haitian I don't know. It turns out to be Thomas, who's a good friend of mine now. And David's waving to me. Oh, come on, come on. So I'm assuming it's good to go. And I get down, we start walking, and I don't know if I asked you where we were going, and you didn't know, and I didn't know. Just some Haitian guy leading us away from our group. And uh, I'm not going to say I wasn't nervous, but David was more nervous than I was. <laughs> And David's going, I don't think we're supposed to leave the group. I don't think we're supposed to leave the group. <laughs> but it turned out to be a wonderful thing because that was the road that we were walking down the little girl ran out and she was screaming in Creole, hey, look, white guys, white guys. <laughs> and that was the beginning of a wonderful friendship I have with Thomas, who I hope, if God leads me to it, I'll be working with very closely to build discipleship in his, in his community. So... Opportunities are there, kids. End of July, there's a trip to Haiti. It won't be in Port-au-Prince. It'll be in the northwest part. It'll be VBS and Backyard Bible Schools. Never been to northwest Haiti, but I've been to City Soleil. Can't be any rougher than that. So, uh, there's all kinds of other trips. Not that Haiti has to be the only place. Dwayne and Benna. And Nan going to, going to Africa this week. Uh, like I said, the trip to uh, up the Amazon River. Now, doesn't that sound like a mission trip? Getting on a boat and going up the Amazon River. I'm even nervous about that. In fact, I don't think I will go on that trip because I think the only reason I would go on that trip is to prove that I'm tough. I mean, really. But there are opportunities all over the place. All you got to do is step out. You don't even have to leave town. You don't even have to leave this neighborhood. All right, well, I think I've shared my heart.